Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us today again on the program. I, I trust you have been tuning in every week. Uh, we, we just get so excited on the set uh, here that we just want to almost stand up and preach. And I, I just, uh, I trust you're feeling that on the other side of the camera. Uh, once again, my oldest son is on the set today uh, with me and we're continuing our conversation at, about the church at uh, Philadelphia. We've been in a 20-some week teaching where we've been dealing with each one of these churches in the book of Revelation and how uh, that uh, the Lord would speak to every one of them except the church of Philadelphia and he would say to them, you need to repent. Uh, that word is not a bad word again. It is a word that simply means you need to change the way you think. The word repentance is the Greek word metanoia and it means to change the way you think. And literally uh, these books were written to uh, seven churches that were really in Asia and uh, they were the ones that were making this paradigm shift from an old covenant uh, mentality to a new covenant. They were the called out ones and in other segments I've already taught, they were called out of not just the world, but they were called out of uh, even the bondage of law and legalism and had been brought into the kingdom uh, for such a time as this. These paradigm shifts that these churches are making, as a matter of fact, you're gonna see a greater manifestation of the kingdom when you get over into the fourth chapter. I'm getting way ahead of myself, saying this, but in chapter 4 he says, after this I saw a door opened in heaven and I saw a throne set. That to me is a powerful picture of a throne speaks of the kingdom. That throne had a rainbow around about it, which is to me again a symbol of a covenant where God says to Noah, I will never be wroth or angry with you again. Uh, there's one sitting on the throne that's got a little book in his right hand. That little book to me is the constitution of the kingdom, which is the new covenant. So what I see happening is that the after this, when he says after this I saw the door open, that door is probably the same door that's mentioned to the church at Philadelphia and to the church at Laodicea because he says, I stand at the door and knock at Laodicea and I don't want to get over into Laodicea because we're going to be several segments just covering Philadelphia. But he says to the church here at Philadelphia, uh, behold, I know your works, but I've set before you an open door. I believe that open door is the door that was opened by the key of David, which is the key of the kingdom. I want to just share a few verses to set this up a little bit for us today. Uh, but uh, we, we've read the text already from, let, let me just read uh, uh, Revelation 3.17. The angel of the church at Philadelphia write, These things see, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. So whatever door this is and whatever key it is, it has the key to open a door that no man can shut and shut mm -hmm. one that no man can open. I submit to you that the door, first of all, that was being opened was the door that gave us access to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And he was about to shut the door to an old covenant. I'm, I'm going to say this too because we will never get far enough to cover all this today. He was about to open the door to Gentiles and he was about to shut the door to some Jews because he's going to address them here and say, there are those here who say they're Jews yeah. and they're synagogues of Satan. That to me is the same terminology that Jesus said when he said, you're of your father, the devil. Yep. It's who lives in you that's determined here. Yep. And he, he goes, in other words, I believe he was about to, and he's talking about, I'm going to make them which say they're of the synagogue of Satan. They're going to come and worship before your feet and know that I've loved you. In other words, he's saying, I'm about to open the door to the Gentiles. And they're going to be brought in. 
and the door's about to be closed to some of these apostate Jews who've rejected their Messiah. Mm -hmm. But they're, you're, they're, you know, what I'm going to do through you is going to make them so jealous that they're going to come back and respond and worship before your feet and say, you know, uh, man, you guys have had the goods. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I believe there's a blindness in part that happened to them to the full, so that God could bring the Gentiles sure. in. And, you know, when I'm saying, even when I say that, I, I'm just getting too, too much out here at one time. But I really don't, I'm not saying that God is replacing yeah. the Jews. What I'm simply saying is God draws a bigger circle and says, uh, what I'm about to do is not going to be ethnic in nature. It's going yeah. to include Jew and Gentile, bond yeah. and free, and that the only way into the kingdom is not through an ethnic background or pedigree, yeah. but the only way into the kingdom is through the greater son of David, the door. Jesus said, I am the door. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm the only way into the covenants of promise, and it's got to be through him who is the door. You know, I, I, you, you know I, we probably may, may not get as far as I want to, but let me, just, let me just emphasize this a little bit. Take your time. John, in John chapter 10, well, first of all, uh, you know, he, he begins to, here's a scripture that's very difficult sometimes. I think it's Matthew 7. He said, for straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. Now, the first thing he's saying there is, it's not straight as the gate, narrow is the way that leads to heaven. Yeah. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. Let's stay in context. Mm -hmm. And broad is the way, and you know, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Mm -hmm. And so we preach the straight and narrow, and we say, well, you know, uh, then it, the way that's preached, it looks like, man, you know what? God is just only going to have a few of us make it. Mm -hmm. There's just going to be a couple of us. Because, I mean, it's a straight and narrow. But you know, I started looking at that in the audience that Jesus was teaching to was a Jewish audience under the law who thought their human performance was going to be what brought them into the covenants of promise. Yeah. And they begin to realize, you know what? There's few that find the way of life because the way of life is not through the performance of your human effort. It is not yeah. through the it is not through what you think if you know if I could keep all the rules cross every T dot every I because the scripture says that uh, the law the commandment could not give life there was not a commandment that could give you life yeah. but they're trying to make it in through the commandments and all of a sudden I begin to realize the straight and narrow is not performance the straight and narrow is simply Jesus yeah. in other words he's saying I'm the way I'm the only way in you could come through the broad way. You could think, and it leads to destruction. And there's even years ago, I taught a message where I said, you know, uh, it said there is a way that seems right to a man, not wrong, but right. And the end thereof are the ways of destruction. So, so it's not that it was the way that seemed wrong to a man. Yeah. It was the way that seemed right to a man. And so I think that when he's talking to them, what he's saying is uh, your efforts and your religious performance and your broad phylacteries and your long prayers for pretense did not produce life. Yeah. And it did not even produce one righteous man because the end of the law, Romans 3, that there is none righteous, no, not even one, not even Moses made it in. So, so that's an impossible way. Yeah. But then Jesus comes in John chapter 10 and he says, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And when I'm preaching that, I always say, now touch it ever say, some other way. Mm -hmm. The same as a thief and a robber. 
some other way. Jesus said, if you think there's some other way, then through the door, I'm the door. Yep. And that's what he is here. He's the door. He's the key. He's the, he's the only access in. Listen, it's not through your ethnic background. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, whether you're Jew, Gentile, you must be born again. There is only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, but at the name of Jesus. If God lives in you, you're the synagogue of God. If the devil lives in you, you're the synagogue of Satan. That's as clear and as plain as I know how to make it. But I'm telling you that the only way in is through the door, which is Jesus Christ. And he said anything else is a thief and a robber. So in other words, and then he goes on to say, and I know I'm going going to upset a few folks with this, but it's about time somebody gets upset with it. I don't mean that to be provoking. But John 10, 10 then says, for the thief cometh not, but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And he tells them in that chapter, uh, let me just read again. He says, verily, verily, this is verse 1, I say to you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Mm -hmm. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth out his own sheep by name, leads them out. Uh, Let me skip down to verse uh, verse number 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me, all that ever came before me, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want to say something as boldly as I can. Look straight at the camera. In John chapter 10, the devil is never mentioned. Now, I know what we've done is we've preached that John 10, that John 10, 10 is the devil comes to kill and steal and to destroy. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. But I'm telling you, John 10 hasn't mentioned the devil. What John 10 tells you, the thief of John 10 is not the devil. The thief of John 10 is when you think there's some other way. Now the devil may get behind that and try to make you think there's some other way. Because he is the accuser of the brethren and he might use the law to do that. But the bottom line is what robs us is we think there's some other way into the kingdom except through the door which is Jesus Christ. The only way in is through the straight and narrow and he's the straight and narrow. He's the one that is true. He is the one that is holy. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It's all through him. To me, that's powerful. But see, when I look back at this and I think about the thief of John 10, the thief of John 10, again, is when you think there's some other way. And that can be religion because he said, all that ever came before me. And the whole concept, even of, of the gospel of John, is we are looking away from Moses because Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So when I see the key of David and I see a door being opened, the door I'm seeing opened is the door that flows through Christ. When, G- when, when P- uh, Jesus says to Peter, uh, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose has been loosed. Uh, and it flowed from Jesus saying to him, who do men say that I am? He said, well, some say you're one of the prophets. Others say you're John the Baptist. He said, but who do you say I am? He said, you're the Christ. See, that's when you get on the straight and narrow to me. That's the path. The only one way to life is through Christ. And it may be a straight gate. It may be a narrow gate. But it's probably easier than you think it is. And it's simply saying that if you try to enter any other way, if you think that religion's going to do it for you, it's going to be a thief to you. It's going to rob you. But this straight and and this gate, this door that is open in the heavens to me, to the church at Philadelphia is, I'm going to set before you an open door. 
and you can enter into that door because I've had the key of David. Jump in there a little bit because I'll be I'll take the whole program if you don't. <laughs> Just think there, you know, that he says that uh, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true. You know, uh, Revelation chapter twelve says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Uh, I taught a while back about. Uh, when, uh, that testimony is more than just getting up and saying, I'd like to thank God. I made a church tonight. I had a flat tire, you know, but somebody came along, was a good Christian, helped me change that, you know, that was our testimony. Yeah. But that word testimony used in this book is a legal term that if you were called into court to give your account of what happened, and they would say, you know, uh, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth? And nothing but the truth so help you God you know you'd swear I do you know and so you're 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 giving the truth or the account of uh, what what took place what what your account of this uh, whole situation is and uh, you know to me the the truth Jesus I am the way the truth and the life so everything of my account or everything of my testimony should be uh, should somehow be connected it should all be connected to who Christ is, both in and among me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, that I, you know, the, the the scripture says, I can do nothing except through Christ who strengthens me. So there's nothing that I do. I mean, and and we look at that like you know, I can't heal people, I can't do that except through Christ's strength. No, the scripture says that I can't do nothing without Christ who right. strengthens me. I cannot live a life that's holy. You know, you're talking about coming in some other way. The thief that has robbed us is that we think we get, it's like in our mature, we think we can get so mature at some point we don't even need Christ, that we become holy without Christ. There, you don't, be, there's no way you ever become holy, so holy that you're still not operating, that you don't need to have a need for Christ in your life because it's Christ that makes you holy. The, your works, if it was by works, we would have we would have been able to come in some other way. Mm-hmm. We'd have been able to come in uh, through the bull, you know the blood of bulls and goats. We'd been able to come in through the works of the law, but that's not that way. Did not work. That's not. It had to be through coming in through the blood of the Lamb. It has to come in. Everything I do, I cannot be righteous except through Christ, who's living His life both in and through me. I can't be holy except through except by Christ who's living both in and through me. Mm-hmm. I can't have the power of God manifest in my life except it be the Jesus living his life both in and through me. I think sometimes we have gotten and I, and when I talked about this I said you know what what we always did was you know growing you know and, and I, because we 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 grew up in church and we went to a lot of places. There was a lot of times especially in youth ministry where it was all about uh, what you were doing and how to, you know, what you needed not do and, and all these stipulations of everything that, you know, if your works are going to, because your work, basically the best was your works is going to make you holy. Yeah. And very rarely did I really hear something about just simply who Jesus was. We didn't talk about Jesus. You know, I mean, we yeah, yeah, we talked about the rules. We talked about the rules. You know, we talked about Jesus will save you, but we talked about Jesus will save you from sin. But then it's your job to be holy once that happens. You yeah. know, it's your job to get. I, I had a person tell me one time. You know, they said, "I think, I think eventually we don't need grace." And 
uh, you know, because, you know, we're, we're eventually, you know, we need to get, Jesus, God wants us to get to a place of such maturity. We don't even need grace. And I'm like, how, how in the world do you ever get to a place where you don't need grace? Grace is the empowerment to be old. Hey, like, I'm going, if I'm going, the more mature I get, the more grace I'm going to need. You may not need as much mercy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's there, there, the more, uh, there should be, the reason why there should always be this cry that I need more of him. You know, the scripture says that, uh, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. In other words, there is this desire to be filled with something. Well, that desire doesn't go away the more mature we get. That desire increases the more we understand our identity in Christ. In other words, my testimony or what I understanding of Christ, the truth that's coming to me, is that the more I get in him, the more I realize my need for him. That there's nothing, there is no other way. There's not another way outside no. of who Christ, there's not another door except through Christ. That he's the only door. Yeah. And so I constantly entering in through who Jesus is. I'm constantly, the more I'm entering in through Jesus, the more I'm being reminded of who Jesus is. I, the more that there's a revelation of who Jesus is coming to me, the more I'm realizing, you know, in, in, in the book of Exodus, they, in order for the death angel to pass over them, they put the blood above the doorpost. If I'm entering through the door of Jesus and I overcome by the blood of the Lamb of the Word of the Testimony, that means that every time I enter through the door, there's a reminder of what Jesus did in his death, on resurrection to change who I am. So even entering in through this door is a constant reminder of the death, burial, and resurrection yeah. of Jesus. It's a constant reminder that I'm not who I once yeah. was. That old man is dead. The one that was bound to laws, rules, and regulations, yeah. he's no longer existing because I'm coming through the blood of the dead lamb that we consumed yeah. Yeah. Uh, on Passover. Uh, we're coming in through what Jesus has already accomplished through us. Yeah. So there's this constant reminder the more I enter in through the door, of the sheepfold, of what Jesus did for me, is that that, that we I think we have so, uh, and I say this, you know, I I there's not a there's not a time goes by when I'm not teaching or preaching that I don't somehow talk about the death burial, and resurrection of yeah. Jesus. I think it's sad that in most places it has been reduced down to an Easter Sunday service when it is the very power of God unto life. Yeah. The preaching of the gospel is the preaching when 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 Peter was a, he was up on a mountain or not on a mountain, he was up on a roof praying and you know he had the vision of all the four footed beasts being let down yep. to him. And God said, Rise Peter, kill me. He says, God, you know, I not nothing unclean's ever touched my lips. And he says, Well don't call one clean what I've called clean. And he was talking about the Gentiles or yep. the house of Cornelius that was yep. about to show up at his door. Yep. Now, Peter, when he went to the house of Cornelius, Peter really didn't go with an expectation of, I'm going to transform the house of Cornelius. Yeah. Matter of fact, he, the went only kicking, screaming, he went kicking and screaming. Because it was out of his paradigm. Yeah, to him it was unclean. It was, it wasn't right for him to be there. No, you know, Jews should not have uh, fellowship with the with Gentiles, it. and he still didn't understand that yeah. even through the, the, you know. So when he goes, he's not like telling them about how you receive the Holy. He's not telling the story of how to receive the Holy Spirit. He's telling the story, the account. Of what he, what they accounted with when they was with Christ, you know, that they had spent three years with him, did a lot of walking, you know, went and visited a lot of places. Jesus did a lot of miracles, and you know, he eventually he was crucified, he died, but on the third day, he's resurrected. We were up in an upper room, and the Holy Ghost fell on us in the middle of Peter. All Peter's doing is telling the story. Dallas Cornelius, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they get filled with the Holy Ghost, start speaking in tongues. 
Now, Peter goes back to his Jewish friends and he's got to explain to them what's happening. And they're kind of like, well, what did you do? You know, what did you do that they received it? He's like, I didn't, I didn't do nothing. I'm just telling the story, you know? <laughs> and they're going, what was they circumcised? No, they weren't circumcised. Have they been baptized? Have they been baptized? No, they haven't been baptized. Well, then how is it? He said, all I can tell you is I told the story. This is what happens. So maybe it is that God's not a respecter of person. He just, there's just something powerful about talking about what Jesus did, the testimony yeah. of Jesus. Maybe there's just something so powerful about giving the account of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that it's enough that even people that have no expectation somehow are being transformed by the power of God. I think sometimes we have so reduced the testimony of what Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection and, and trying to, you know, we've tried to beef up and and when I say this, there's nothing wrong with, with having nice facilities or nice places for people together but we've tried to make that the attraction yeah. thinking that's what's going to reach yeah, the world yeah. that's not that's the smoke not the, machines, the, the light smoke machines, machines lights and nice buildings are not what's the power of God unto yeah. life the power of God unto life is the preaching of the gospel once you get him in there you better have something to get absolutely what's going to trans what's going to bring somebody out of a darkness that's never heard anything about Jesus that's been in a real literal bondage is going to be the preaching of the gospel of the power of God that Jesus really did die for every man. He died for sinners. He died for all men. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This spake he concerning his death. There, the, the door that was open was Jesus hanging on the cross saying, I'm opening the door yep. to all men. You come through me. I'm going to put an end to your suffering. I'm going to put an end to your slavery. I'm going to put an end to your darkness. I'm going to put an end to sin right here, right now on this cross. You come to this door. You're going to enter in one way, but you're going to, you're going to come out a completely new creation because it's the transforming power of what Jesus did in his, he brought every man into him, put that old creation to death so that when he got up on resurrection day, he brought a whole new world. It was a, so when John could stand up in this book and say, and behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What brought a new heaven and a new earth is when we entered into the door called Christ, put an end to that old heaven, that old earth, that old system that turned, where the moon turned to blood, the sun became dark. That was the old system coming to an end. What became alive? What brought a new heaven? heaven and the new earth is that resurrection that we got through in Christ. Paul said, all that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering, in the power of his resurrection. I want to know that the fellowship of his suffering, that entering into this door, that I, that I'm not, I don't have to suffer like Jesus did. The fellowship of his suffering is the res, that, that when I see the blood applied to that doorpost and I'm entering in, I know that the suffering of Jesus was the death of my old man, of everything I was, of all my suffering, of all that that old creation produced. But to know him in the power of his resurrection is to know that I am a completely new creation with the power of God operating in my life. That the old creation that was bound to sin and to sickness and to death and to poverty and to the curse is put to death. But what's come about now in the resurrection is a brand new, that John would say, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. And this church meaning brotherly love, here's the love mm -hmm. that the Father would declare us sons. Absolutely. And you know, I'm thinking even as, as you're saying that, you know, that uh, uh, the door is open. And I was thinking, you know, even while I was saying uh, in the beginning of it where I was talking about, you know, broad is the way. Yeah. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Many there be the go in thereat. And straight as the gate narrows the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Yeah. And while I'm sitting here thinking, you know, of that while you were talking, I was thinking about <clears throat> the few that find it was this Jewish audience that Jesus yeah. was speaking to. Sure. 
Because he was saying, you know, the door's standing right in front of you. And there's only going to be a remnant that's going to make it out of this whole bunch. I believe that when you get into the book of Revelation later on, chapter 7, and he starts saying there was 12,000 of the tribe of Judah that were sealed. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> 12,000, and he starts listing the 144,000. Mm -hmm. That he's trying to show that, first of all, he tells them these are the first fruits from among men. In other words, I believe that he was talking about these are, and he starts out that list not with Reuben, which would be the natural lineage of yeah. Israel. He starts out with Judah, which would be the spiritual lineage of Israel, because it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. So what he's saying is that there's a remnant, there's only going to be a few. In other words, he's saying to this Jewish audience, I'm the doorman, I'm, I'm the guy that's got the key of David. Yep. And the only way you're going to come into it is not through your ethnic background, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not going to be through, uh, you know, I was thinking while you were sitting, talking there a while ago or on a prior segment, you were talking about when they came through the, the, uh, uh, the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. And uh, they told to pile up stones here as a memorial. And it put 12 stones on the other side. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think it's an accident that John the Baptist baptizes Jesus right there in that same river. Yeah. And when he does, what he's really doing is he's fulfilling what Joshua said in chapter 3. When you see a priest carry the ark in the river Jordan, you're going to know it's time to cross over. Yeah. John the Baptist was a priest yeah. after the order of Levi. He was Zachariah's son. He was the heir apparent of the Levitical priesthood. And then, Jesus, uh, then uh, all these Jews are descending the bank of the river and they're seeing Jesus baptized. And they said, you know, uh, we're Abraham. See, he said, you're of your father the devil. God yeah. is able to raise up of these stones, children of Abraham, I think he probably could have pointed that pile of rocks right in the middle of the river and the pile of rocks right on the other side, because I'll bet yeah. you anything that that was the exact location that he did. He said, God's able to raise up of these stones, you know, uh, seed to Abraham. Yeah. And he was really literally about to raise up a seed to Abraham that was not going to be a physical seed. It was really going to come out of the keystone, the key rock mm -hmm. that was Christ right there in the middle of the river. And he said, a whole new seed is about to come on the seed. A whole new nation, a holy nation that's birthed out of the divine seed of the sperm of God we've already talked about. Those who are born of God are the true Israel of God. It's not seeds as of many, but to thy seed, which is one. And, and, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. That's the seed that he's raising up. That's yeah. the, he said in this church in Philadelphia, you say you're Jews and you're not, but you're the synagogue of Satan. And before this thing is over and the end of uh, the church of Philadelphia, he's going to say, I'm going to write upon you the name of my God, the name of the city of my God. Uh, which is New Jerusalem. He was about to change to the words going to be a new Jew, a new city, a new temple, and a new people, and all of it was going to flow out of the new creation. Yeah. We are running out of time again uh, for this segment. Don't forget to tune in next week. We're going to continue this conversation. Take a moment to uh, call that number on the screen. Uh, so seed into the ministry. You can do it via credit card if you want to go to our website and do that. You can do that as well. Uh, hit us on Facebook at uh, my, my public profile's Lynn House Ministries. Write to us. Call that number on the screen if you need prayer. God bless you for joining in. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.